Welcome to the worship podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton Corner, Massachusetts for Sunday, October 18th, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome at Grace. We announced this week that the Newton Community Preservation Commission did vote to approve Grace's application for funding for the restoration of our bell tower. The next step is approval by the Newton City Council. This is really exciting news, as without access to the CPA funding, we will not be able to restore the tower and preserve the bells. Many thanks to the leaders at Grace, whom we've taken to calling Team Tower, for their incredible hard work on this application and for their polished presentation. Many thanks to all who showed up in your rectangles on the screen to show support at the CPC meeting last week. If you asked your neighbors to sign our petition, please do thank them for their support too. It does take a village. And of course, Newton is a city of villages. We are so grateful for the opportunity to partner with the city to preserve this landmark for many more years to come. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy, that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 1 through 7. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, and to strip kings of their robes, to open doors before him, and the gates shall not be closed. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches hidden in secret places, so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I surname you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me, so that they may know, from the rising of the sun and from the west, that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make weal and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the whole earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his wonders among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is more to be feared than all gods. As for all the gods of the nations, they are but idols. But it is the Lord who made the heavens. For oh, the majesty and magnificence of his presence, all oh, the power and the splendor of his sanctuary, ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord honor and power. Ascribe to the Lord the honor to his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
Let the whole earth tremble before him. Tell it out among the nations, The Lord is King. He has made the world so firm that it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea thunder and all that is in it. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood shout for joy before the Lord when he comes, when he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Hello, my name is George Whitehead, and I appreciate the chance to offer a gratitude moment, a chance to reflect on what this community has meant to me over the close to 40 years I've belonged to Grace Church. Almost 40 years of things to be grateful for. That's a lot. You can be grateful. I will barely skim the surface. But my theme is simple. My membership in this intentional community is one of the great gifts for which I am constantly grateful. There's something profound in coming together week after week, year after year, with a group of people who choose to join together faithfully for worship, renewal, love, inquiry, support, and service. I'm very grateful for the breadth of our community's membership, ranging widely in age, in beliefs, in experiences, gifts, and needs. We have newcomers and descendants of the parish's founders. This diversity and how we have collaborated in so many areas of our lives together is an inspiration. We each put in what we have to give and somehow are generally able to take away what we need to sustain and nurture us. When I had not been a member here very long and had not been a husband and stepfather for very long either, I came out of church to find my stepson John in the lower branches of a tree near the driveway. Libby explained that he had been unhappy in Sunday school and had asserted that he had his mother's permission to climb a tree instead. It's probably not exactly what Betsy had said, but never mind that. I can only imagine how difficult classroom management was that morning for Libby, but she had a smile and a chuckle as she told the story, and she had the very good sense to realize that John would be closer to God in that tree than if he were trying to sit still indoors. That anecdote sticks with me, but it was just one moment during years when this community helped raise our children to be the wonderful adults and parents they are now. I can see the Grace Church influence in my grandchildren as they, in turn, are growing up. But it isn't just my children who grew up here during that time. I matured from a single person living a rather simple life through the stages of being a step-parent, a parent, and through it all, a partner, all the while I was supported by this community. In particular, 
and this came much later, I will always be grateful for the support we received when my wife Betsy was sick. Spearheaded by Jenny Rosser, we had lots of warm visits arranged around all the necessary nursing and other care. While we were never in a pew on Sundays, the Grace Church community never felt closer. I know how many other members of the parish have been held and sustained by prayers, visits, cards, and practical support in difficult times. And while we are all experiencing difficult times at the moment, between the pandemic and the knowledge that our sanctuary is unusable anyhow until tower work is complete, I'm extremely grateful that so many members of the community have stepped up to keep us together as a parish with worship, other activities, and the huge job of dealing with the building repairs. What could be a time of despair becomes a time of hope and thankfulness as we find our way forward together. Soon, with God's help, we will be able to worship together and celebrate our lives together again, and that is certainly something to be grateful for. Thank you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. 
Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We live in a world of icons. Icons on our computers, our phones, on signs out in the world. We can click on the picture of an envelope to get our email, on the picture of a map pin to get directions, on the picture of a camera to take pictures. Our devices have largely made actual envelopes or paper maps or cameras less necessary, but the symbols of them are still very useful. Icons have only become something you click on fairly recently, but they have been around a long, long time. Icon is the Greek word for image, like the image of the Emperor Tiberius that was on the denarius Jesus asked to look at in today's Gospel. Whose head is this and whose title, he says. A literal translation from the Greek is, Whose icon is this? What image has been stamped on this coin? What does it represent? Coins bear the image of the realm to which they belong, which stays with them wherever they circulate. In Genesis, we learn that human beings were created in the image of God. Our humanity, despite all its limitations, somehow reflects the divine. We bear the stamp of our Creator in the very fabric of our being. Something in our imperfect mortality reflects that which is infinite and perfect and immortal. Through baptism, we come to bear another stamp, that of Christ's image, Christ's icon, on us. We receive the sign of the cross in oil on our foreheads, And the priest says the words, You are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Wherever we circulate, we will bear this stamp. On Ash Wednesday, we receive the sign of the cross on our foreheads, not in oil, but with ashes. The ash is a kind of icon, too, symbolizing our mortality, our inherent human limitations in the brevity of our lives, and the continuing continual falling short of all our endeavors. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But ashes in the shape of a cross signify that even the very dust of our humanity has been redeemed. The substance of our bodies will return to the earth, but that is not the end for us. In Matthew, Jesus is asked a trick question by the Pharisees. 
Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? If he says yes, he could be seen to be supporting the occupying forces in Palestine. If he says no, he could be found culpable of political agitating. The inscription on the denarius read, Tiberius Caesar, August and divine son of Augustus, high priest. For Jews, this inscription was oppressive and blasphemous. This is not really a question about taxes. It's a question about loyalty and about the divided loyalty of every Jew under Roman rule. But Jesus makes it a question about icons. Whose face is this and whose title? Who issued this coin? The emperor? Then return what is his to him. But return what is God's to God. Human beings are bearers of the divine image made in God's image. We are issued by God, and we will return to God. In between, we circulate. Everything we have has been issued to us by God in the same way. Everything we have is a holy loan. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. In other words, our very selves, our souls, and bodies. In the Greek, this word, which is translated as simply give or render, means give what is due by obligation, give back what you owe. We are called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to live lives where we are continually giving back to God in all we do, in the ways that we use our resources, in the ways that we care for others. But Christians always hold dual citizenship. As the Apostle Paul says, we hold citizenship in heaven, and this is where our ultimate loyalty must remain. But we also hold citizenship in the nations to which we belong. We live in the United States. There are obligations on both sides. There are things that we owe our country, and there are things that our country owes us. In 2020, we are in the middle of a great reckoning of what this means, and the questions we ask are leading us all the way back 400 years back before the founding of this country. If we look at the coins in our pocket, a quarter, say, we will still see the head of a ruler stamped on it, the head of George Washington, and the words liberty and then in God we trust. Both the nature of liberty and the influence of religion, especially of Christianity, in our national life is perhaps the most contentious it's ever been, and that is saying a lot. Hundreds of thousands of lives are literally at stake. Jesus taught that true freedom, true liberty, could never be divorced from obligations to the common good. Those who were truly free were never free to do whatever they wanted, regardless of the harm those choices would cause to others. That is not the nature of freedom or liberty anywhere in the biblical witness. Those who are truly free are free to choose to love and to serve and to give. They are free to participate in God's economy of justice and righteousness and not in the economies of exploitation and empire. They are even free from earthly oppressors because they have true freedom in Christ. The liberty that Jesus taught and that Jesus gave 
is always bound up in the truth and in the common good. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. We have a chance now in our national life to reclaim that vision of freedom and liberty, and not only in a sectarian way, but in a way that honors the diversity of the beliefs in our land. Apart from computer icons, there is another kind of icon, too. Holy images from Eastern Christianity, of Jesus, Mary, the saints, and scenes from the Bible. These icons are not painted or written naturalistically to look like a portrait. They are created according to ancient patterns uh, patterns of symbolic depiction. They are supposed to look otherworldly and to lead the viewer in contemplation of them to a state of prayer which pries open the window to the next world, a little crack. The Apostle Paul says, Here we see through a glass darkly, but there we will see face to face. These icons of Christ or other figures are supposed to shed just a little more heavenly light in this life to point to what is beyond. Each of us can be the kind of icon of Christ that points to the kingdom of God for which we pray when we say the Lord's Prayer. Each of us will bear our Christ image a little bit differently. Some of us will reflect the compassion of Christ. Some of us will will reflect Christ the Reconciler. Some of us will resemble Christ the Healer or Christ the Teacher. Some of us will look more like Christ the Prophet, calling out for justice for the poor and for those in authority to be held accountable for their actions. Some of us will reflect Christ the Counselor, comforting those in distress, and some of us Christ the person of prayer. Think about which images of Christ most speak to you. Think about how you can reflect these attributes out in the world, how you can be an icon of the way of Jesus. You are marked as Christ's own forever. How do you bear the image of Christ in your life? And how does that image of Christ in you influence your actions, commitments, and service as a citizen or a resident of these United States? As you bear the image of Christ, how will you also work to uphold the common good so that all may enjoy true liberty and true freedom? In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us lift our prayers to the Lord. I ask your prayers for the Church around the world, for the Anglican Communion and the Episcopal Church, 
and all its laity, clergy, and bishops. I ask your prayers for this community of Grace Church, that in these challenging times we would live out our values of welcoming, love, belonging, inquiry, wonder, celebration, and service. I ask your prayers for a clear path forward as we work with many partners to remedy the safety issues of Grace's Bell Tower. May God grant us the wisdom to choose a path that honors our history, safeguards our future, and draws us into deeper faithfulness and mission now. We pray with wholehearted trust that God will guide us in each step and meet us in our need. We pray for Grace's vestry, rector, and parish leadership, and give thanks for their labor on behalf of our church home. I ask your prayers for our nation, for a free and fair presidential election, without voter intimidation or suppression or other malignant interference, for health and safety for all voters, poll workers, and law enforcement in this election season, for all those suffering from the coronavirus, for all those who are elderly, have pre-existing conditions, and who lack access to quality medical care, for those who have lost their livelihood due to the pandemic. I ask your prayers for the world, for all people, and for all creation. May our Creator lead us and all people into ways of justice and peace, and awaken in us a desire to live sustainably on this earth. I ask your thanksgivings for all the blessings of this life. For those celebrating birthdays this week, Julian, Sharon, Helen, Kay, Courtney, Eleanor, Jennifer, and George. In our parish cycle of thanksgiving, we give thanks for the hospitality committee, whose labor keeps our plates full and our fellowship convivial and festive. I ask your prayers for those in need, remembering those on our prayer list and those we name aloud now. May God heal and restore all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, and make us willing agents of your compassion. I ask your prayers for those who have died, especially Brian Mayer and Adrian C. Yi, mother of Carolyn Wong, and for those we name now. May God comfort those who mourn and bring them peace in their time of loss. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love. Following the example of Jesus, help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus. Help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen.
Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. A prayer for the power of the Spirit among the people of God. God of all power and love, we give thanks for your unfailing presence and the hope you provide in times of uncertainty and loss. Send your Holy Spirit to enkindle in us your holy fire. Revive us to live as Christ's body in the world, a people who pray, worship, learn, break bread, share life, heal neighbors, bear good news, seek justice, rest and grow in the Spirit. Wherever and however we gather, unite us in common prayer and send us in common mission that we and the whole creation might be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir featuring section leaders Christian Buaben, Diane Drost, Stephen M. and John Yanis, joined today by Linda Hosfeld. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lector, Dory Gehring, our gratitude moment reflector, George Whitehead, and our lay reader, Rowan Larson. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.